The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And we have a remarkable guest on the show today. Our, our, our guest is Dr. Andrew Weil, who is the founder of the Weil Foundation and also the founder and director of the University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine. Dr. Weil, yes. welcome to the show. Thank you. We're, we're thrilled to have you. You know, Dr. Weil, you... You have been a really a looming figure in integrative medicine, alternative medicine uh, for really a generation now. Uh, you are, I think, uh, kind of the godfather of a whole industry. Um, how did that come about? <laughs> well, um, after I finished my clinical training, you know, I, was, I went to Harvard Medical School, did standard stuff, but I really felt that I had not learned anything about how to keep people well, which I think should be the main business of physicians. <laughs> and also, I thought that the methods that I'd been taught to use to treat caused too much harm. So I was very interested in looking at other ways of, of doing medicine and promoting health. I spent a number of years traveling around the world, looking at healing practices and other cultures, gradually put together my own system, which I first called natural and preventive medicine, and then began to call integrative medicine. And uh, I've always worn two hats. One is as an educator of the general public through books, articles, website, and the other is an academic medicine, um, where in the 1990s, I began to train physicians in this system of integrative medicine. And the Center for Integrative Medicine that I direct at the University of Arizona is now the leading educational effort in the world to do this. We've graduated almost 1,500 physicians from very intensive trainings in integrative medicine. We train medical residents, medical students, um, and we also do research and offer clinical services. Fantastic. Well, it's really uh, a remarkable career that you have had so far, and, and you're still going strong. Um, you know, in advance of this conversation, I put out to our, our social networks uh, the invitation to ask questions, and and someone did get back to me with a question, uh, a, a skeptical question, mm -hmm. asking why you don't seem fond of evidence-based medicine. What's your response to that? Uh, I'm a scientist. I consider scientific evidence. Uh, we train all our physicians when they write treatment plans to provide references in the scientific literature to evidence for treatments they recommend. But uh, I also advocate uh, following a sliding scale of evidence that works like this. The greater the potential of a treatment to cause harm, the stricter the standards of evidence should, should be held to for efficacy. Uh, I think we'd save ourselves a lot of trouble if we adhered to that. I teach breathing techniques a lot to people. There's very little published research on breath uh, to promote health or change physiology because people don't take it seriously. I'm very comfortable making those recommendations in the relative absence of evidence because I think the potential for harm of that intervention is negligible. Um, 
the evidence-based medicine movement in its most extreme form is very analogous to religious fundamentalism. It's exactly the, the it's fundamentalism in science. And for example, in many uh, academic settings now, you cannot give a talk unless you submit in advance what you're going to say with references published in journals that are acceptable to the evidence-based medicine committee. I don't like the sound of that. And uh, as I say, that's the, in the extreme forms why I don't like that movement. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you taking a time, taking a moment to, to direct uh, your thoughts to that. I think you see a fundamental problem in healthcare today. What, how would you articulate that problem? That's putting it mildly. It's that our healthcare system doesn't work. It's going down the tubes. You know, we cannot deliver this kind of expensive medicine to our population. And we spend more per capita on healthcare than any people in the world by a long shot. And we have worse health outcomes of, compared to other developed nations. The World Health Organization ranks us 38th on, on a par with Serbia. And that's any way you look at it. It's infant mortality, longevity, rates of chronic disease. Something's very wrong with that picture, spending all this money and having so little to show for it. I think the, the essential problems are that this whole enterprise is not really a healthcare system. It's a disease management system. And the diseases that we're trying to manage are mostly lifestyle-related and preventable, and we're not doing a good job at preventing them. So the first problem is how do we turn this whole ship around in the direction of health promotion and disease prevention? And secondly, the methods that we're trying to use to manage common diseases are expensive because they're dependent on costly technology. So the integrative medicine movement is trying to bring into the mainstream low-tech, low-cost methods that work for the common healthcare problems we have, as well as to really teach people uh, and work for societal change to promote health and prevent disease. Well, it is a huge problem. I love the way you, you've articulated that. How much of the a problem that you see today, do you uh, attribute to a lack of education and focus on wellness and nutrition? I think that's a big piece of it. In the four years that I went to Harvard Medical School, the total instruction I got in nutrition was 30 minutes. And uh, that was grudgingly allowed to a dietitian in one hospital I worked at to tell us about special diets we could order for patients. That has not changed a lot since I've been out of medical school. You know, there, what's now, there is nutrition taught in medical schools, but to me it looks like biochemistry and it's forgotten as soon as the biochemistry exams are over. So I think you could argue that physicians in this country are functionally illiterate in nutrition, not their fault, they weren't taught it. Uh, but how could we neglect something that is so foundational to health and so much evidence exists? I mean, you talk about evidence base, the evidence base for uh, the effects of diet and other aspects of lifestyle on disease risks is enormous. So I think lack of education is, is big. And it's, it's also lack of education about mind-body interactions, about the strengths and weaknesses of alternative systems like Chinese medicine, about botanical remedies, dietary supplements, um, you know, other forms of medicine like osteopathic manipulation. Many of these things are cheaper interventions uh, that work quite well in many conditions better than the pharmaceutical drugs that are now the mainstay of conventional medicine. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Uh, it, I've seen in my own 
life and my interactions with my doctors, my wife's interactions with her doctors, that uh, nutrition doesn't seem to come up. Uh, nutrition and diet don't seem to enter into the discussion, even when um, we're suffering from problems that closely relate to uh, diet and nutrition. It, it, it does seem uh, odd. So, so tell me a little bit about what you've done uh, with your foundation to expand education uh, around uh, nutrition and wellness and integrative medicine. Uh, the foundation that I set up receives all of my after-tax profits from sales of products that have my name and likeness on them, as well as donations from other sources. And to date, we've given away over $5 million to mostly to educational institutions that are advancing integrative medicine training. So a good chunk of that goes to the University of Arizona Center and the rest to other academic centers around the country. A major, uh, major funding effort has been toward a program called Integrative Medicine in Residency, which is a curriculum uh, that includes training in nutrition and mind-body medicine and all of these things that we talked about, a uh, 200-hour curriculum that's a required accredited part of residency training. We're now in, I think, something almost 60 residencies around the country in family medicine, internal medicine, uh, beginning in pediatrics, in uh, rehabilitation medicine. Our goal eventually is to have this be a required accredited part of residency training in all specialties so that whether you go to a psychiatrist or a gastroenterologist or a dermatologist, that doctor will have had the basics of nutrition and health, um, you know, of all these other aspects uh, that we think are so important. So where do you see this going? What's your goal for integrative medicine? How do you, how do you see it expanding and how do you see it impacting health in the, in the okay, long I, big picture. I think this is the medicine of the future without question. It's what people want. Increasingly, it's what, what doctors want. Um, you know, for a number of decades, this movement has been propelled by consumer demand. But now I think it's really hardline economics that are moving the change. It's as healthcare has so devolved in this country, uh, I think many more institutions are looking at what can save money and preserve or enhance outcomes. So I think the age of integrative medicine is here, and I think the sign of our successes will be able to drop the word integrative one day. It'll just be good medicine. You know, one of the issues, one of the challenges that I think uh, the world faces in understanding integrative or alternative medicine is that a traditional medicine uh, works on a, a patent system that creates tremendous uh, profit potential for the patent owner. Yep. And as a result, there is tremendous funding available for uh, meeting the standard of efficacy set by the FDA for a new drug. On the other hand, when we're looking at natural supplements where there are no patents or breathing exercises where there's nothing even to sell. There is no money to fund the research. How do you close that gap to establish uh, the efficacy of uh, the alternative approaches uh, in absence of patents and huge profits? Well, first of all, you're quite right that, that uh, the current money setup in medicine is a major obstacle to change. 
Um, and this, I think, a, a particular problem is insurance reimbursement. You know, we happily pay for drugs, for tests, for interventions. We don't pay a doctor to sit with a patient and advise them about diet or to teach them a breathing technique. Now, that has to change. And that's part of a larger problem that the, as dysfunctional as our healthcare system is, it is generating rivers of money that are flowing into very few pockets. It's the pockets of the big pharmaceutical companies, the manufacturers of medical devices, and the big insurers. And those interests have total control of our elected representatives. So that is a big roadblock. And until that situation changes, and I think the only way it'll change is if a grassroots political movement starts and we begin electing different kinds of representatives, I think that will eventually happen. With regard to the drugs and patents, you know, one of the assignments that I give uh, physicians in our trainings is to uh, make a list of 10 drugs you would take with you if you had to go to a desert island and you only take 10 drugs. It's an interesting exercise. I mean, I know what I would take. It would be things like aspirin and morphine and penicillin that have been around for a long time and proved their worth. It would be almost none of the stuff you see advertised on television. And by the way, all of those FDA requirements have not prevented a great many worthless and dangerous pharmaceutical products from being out there on the market. Yeah, it is one of the astounding realities that many drugs uh, are approved with an understanding that some people will die from taking the drug as directed. Right. And yet, I think, Dr. Weil, you correct me if I'm wrong, almost no one dies from the vast, often called unregulated uh, nutritional supplements on the market. The, the, the deaths from approved FDA drugs far outstrip deaths from the unregulated. Well, let me give you one statistic. On I, I, a recent estimate is that we see 20,000 deaths a year just in the hospitalized population in the U.S., directly caused by pharmaceutical drugs. And this is not mistakes. This is the right drug given to the right patient and the right dose for the right indication and 20,000 people die. That's unacceptable. In, with herbal remedies, a handful of deaths are reported each year. And almost always these are from mistakes. It's somehow a toxic plant has been packaged and mislabeled as something useful. So there's a day and night difference there. And this is, by the way, one of the reasons that I think more consumers and more physicians are turning in the direction of integrative medicine because we offer safer treatments. Yeah. Well, well, Dr. Weil, I, I want to take the opportunity while I've got you to just get some insights from you personally as a social entrepreneur, as a change maker. First, um, you are looked up to by so many people, people that I look up to look up to you. Who do you look up to? Well, I, I thought about that, and you know, one person that I no longer with us, who I have looked up to, is Paul Newman, who created a model which I've tried to follow with the Weill Foundation. You know, it, it's actually tougher for me as a physician to have my face and name on products because in academic medicine, there is great suspicion of of doctors who are successful, you know, in commercial enterprises. And the only way that I was able to do this was to as I say, donate all of my after-tax profits in a sort of Newman model uh, to a foundation which is supporting educational efforts that I think are very worthwhile. Yeah, great, great point. Uh, Robert Newman and his uh, Newman's own and the foundation, huge amounts of money going to, to charity as a result of that. Uh, really, really fantastic work. Great. 
uh, and we've had uh, Robert Forster, who runs the Newman Foundation, on the show as well. Great organization. So um, I wanted to go back uh, again and, and focus on why you care about these things and go back even to why you wanted to get to be a doctor. Why, why do you care about helping other people? Well, I think uh, I think the medical profession is a very noble enterprise. I think the the, the wanting to reduce suffering and to help people, and I've always, as I said at the beginning, felt that the main responsibility of doctors should be to teach people how to stay well, how not to get sick in the first place. And I observe that most people have very little confidence in their body's ability to maintain health and deal with routine problems. To me, the most wonderful fact of human biology is that our organism can maintain itself, can repair itself, can self-diagnose, can regenerate. I mean, that's marvelous. And I think that's where good medicine should begin. So I've always felt that, you know, I, I guess this is my calling is to help people uh, have more confidence in the self-healing abilities of, the, of their own bodies and to teach them you know, the simple principles of living well in order to protect that ability. Oh, great, great insight. Now, finally, uh, last question. We have uh, a question we ask all of our guests for uh, what we call an impact hack, a, a tip that would help us have more impact, to do more good in the world. And certainly you have been tremendously successful in driving impact and change in the world What's what's one secret you could leave us today? You know, I think it's to follow your own truth. Uh, you know, I've been writing and saying the same things about medicine, medical education, health for almost 50 years now. And at the beginning of that time, nobody paid any attention to me. And then gradually I got a larger and larger following in the general public, but none of my medical colleagues paid any attention to me. All this has developed very slowly, but I knew that I was on the right path. You know, I knew from my inner wisdom that what I was advocating was right and that I should persist in it. So I think that's the main thing I'd leave you with. Now, fantastic. Great tip. Now, Dr. Weil, I know there will be people who are watching the show that will want to learn more about you. I wonder if you would just tell people how to get in touch, how to find you, how to track you down, how to learn more about your work at the foundation and also at the University of Arizona. Where do they go? Uh, first to my website, which is drweil.com. A um, lot of information there. I have an, many books out there that are on Amazon. Uh, the University of Arizona's website is azcim.org for Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine. And that by way includes a directory for how to find physicians that we've trained in your area. Um, so those are three, you know, those are good, three good resources I can give you. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Weil, again, thank you very much for being on the show. We appreciate your time and wish you every success in the great work that you're doing. Thank you. I enjoyed talking with you. All right. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts On Air 
and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.